Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I am Bill Huffman, and welcome to this week's bonus episode of Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic. On this week's episode, I'll be hosting a roundtable discussion with James Renner and Nick from True Crime Garage about the recent documentary series that aired on the Investigation Discovery Channel these past few weekends called The Lake Erie Murders, Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic? The documentary was just released and so far has garnered some new information for authorities. Information they are obviously keeping close to the vest. The director, Tom, his director of photography, and four other light and sound guys interviewed me in September at my home and studio. It was quite the production, and it was comforting to see how much effort and care they were actually putting into this story. With a case like Amy's, where the people involved want to see resolution, it was pretty impressive to see the amount of work that they were actually putting in. I believe they said they had started this project over a year ago, and were very excited about it coming to a close. As the doorbell rang, and when I opened the door, there were two black minivans pulling up. And there stood Tom, about 6'2", skinny and British. He introduced himself and was very courteous the whole six hours that they occupied our house. And actually, that should be said for the whole crew. They were obviously tired, but were very keen on making sure that every shot looked and sounded just right. The crew emptied out their vans and quickly filled the kitchen and dining room with their equipment. There were an army of guys working together to finish these last few shots, and I believe I was one of the last people to be interviewed before they actually hit the editing bay. Tom spent the first few hours after he arrived devouring the collection of news clippings that had grown over the years. The original newspaper clips that were used in the series came straight out of the archive that was given to me by a source. Reading and seeing the original newspapers adds to the reality of this tragedy, and I thought Tom did a great job of using the clippings effectively. The three of us, Nick, James, and myself, were lucky enough to be part of this series, and on this week's episode, we get together to discuss you know, our experiences and basically what we thought about the program. So let's jump right in the middle of our conversation with Nick, James, and myself. Go ahead and start. Are you doing just so, audio or are you doing video too? No, we're just doing, I'm just doing audio. I'm not, I'm, I'm not recording video. I'm just figured since we're all here, we might as well look at each other. <laughs> yeah. So I can leave the curls in my, the curlers in my hair. Oh, absolutely. Leave the curlers in the hair. Drink your uh, bottle of Jack if you got it. Um, or Stay in your boxer shorts. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Whatever you got going on, it's all good. So because so, I watched the documentary, I feel like I just saw you guys like, you know, last week. It does, oh, yeah. it does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. But that was like, uh, when did you, uh, when were they here? When did you do your interview for them? So was that like back in April or May? 
didn't remember when you and I met for an early lunch in yes near I don't remember where we you picked a great spot it was the Moosehead Saloon yeah fairly close to Bay Village like I don't know maybe what 20 minutes or so from Bay oh like even closer it's like even closer it's literally right across the tracks from Bay Village so when we went to uh the saloon there for lunch, after you and I drove around Bay Village, I drove over to Lakewood and did the interviews that day. Oh, wow. So that okay. was, what, May? That sounds Probably right. May. Yeah. And Bill did Where it was after- it that you and... Yeah, I did mine in September. Yeah, it was real late. Bill, you drove to Delaware County and met me here, and we mm-hmm. spoke... We spoke what... That must have been... July, maybe? Yeah, I think it was right in the middle of the summer. Right after, yeah, because I had just gotten back from Michigan. So I think it was in like, maybe like July 20th, you know, the, the, around that area, end of July. But yeah, I didn't get, I know they when they were coming back to do extra filming, that's when they contacted me to, you know, set up the interviews. And they basically, they did it all at my house. Where did you do your interview? So they rented a home that they were like staying in while they were filming in the area. They like did a, a Airbnb thing. <coughs> and so they rented this house and they just, they just filmed me at the house. Oh, that's I remember, cool. Yeah. I remember telling James, I was like, yeah, I've never met any of these people. And he's like, where, where are they, uh, where are they filming you later today? I was like, well, I Googled it. It's a house. And James goes, yeah, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, oh thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks. Now I feel it could great. Have been a murder house. Yeah, like, it's an ambush. That would be the last. Yeah, last time anybody ever saw Nick. Well, wasn't it? Uh, oh gosh, wasn't it uh, Trent Reznor who rented the Sharon Tate house to do to record one of his albums? Yes, I just read about that. Yeah, wow. that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of musicians, I guess, have, have rented <laughs> that place. It was originally owned by a record producer who uh, did the albums for the Birds. Um, you know, like Tambourine Man and uh, yeah, that stuff. It makes me just think of like reruns from the 80s when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> well, there, there, was some, there was some thought that, that's, that the house was targeted not because it was Tate's house or uh, who's that, uh, Roman Polanski or, Pol- or whatever. Polanski, yeah. Yeah, and there's some was, thought uh, that it was targeted because of the record executive or the uh, whoever you just mentioned. Right, because Manson was a failed musician, or Terry Melcher, I think his name. He was, was. a failed everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, he somehow succeeded in convincing these crazy chicks to go and murder some people. So that, right. I don't know if that's some other. Yeah, sort of other success. than uh, getting people to drop acid and have sex with them, he failed at everything. Yeah, there- and apparently he was very short. Aww. <laughs> but then there's then there's another argument too that. Um, that his group, his little cult there, came up with the murder, the first set of murders, that that idea by themselves, and then he actually ordered the second set of murders to reestablish control over them, like to make it look like he had, oh, weird. he like yeah, like he led them to that all along. Right. No, no, no. I was thinking the same thing. Let's do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that what he was thinking? Right. Charles Manson. Right. What a um, character. Well, he never actually killed anybody, though. No. Like, like personally, right. which I think is 
interesting, you know, for like everybody viewed him as this evil, evil, and he was, but you know, he, he personally never killed anybody. He just ordered people to, which I guess is, you know, splitting. I, I interviewed Diane Lake and her book is fairly decent, but the interview was terrible. Like, I mean, <laughs> no, that, uh, Diane that, Lake was, was she one of the Manson family? She was, who, she was one of the Manson family, but she didn't go along on any of the murders. She wasn't present during any of them. Like she spoke to Manson family members after the murders. Um, and oh. she was kind of told about it. She was arrested during the raid when they came and raided that, uh, wherever they were staying. And yeah. I asked her like, just pretty basic questions about what she thought about texts and what she thought about, you know, squeaky. I don't even know the names of the, these people anymore, but um, yeah. her answers were like, I never put any thought into that. I'm thinking this is like how many 50 years ago or whatever, you know, 30, 40 years. You've never, you've, you've had plenty of time to think about this. You've not put any thought into you being very good friends with these people that murdered a bunch yeah. of people. Yeah. I guess that's just how you deal with it, you know, just uh, compartmentalizing and, and not, not going into that, that part of your, uh, your brain or whatever. I guess that's one way of dealing with it. Well, in a sense, James, it's kind of what you do. I mean, you're, you, de- you deal with <laughs> that. I'm just saying it's not that you're a serial killer, that, that you're, uh, you know, that you, you know, deal with serial killers or deal with death on a daily basis with your job. So, you know, you do have to compartmentalize all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be a normal person because if you let all that stuff get you down, like we all know, uh, you know, bad shit can happen. That's why they say there's, there's all that similarity between detectives and, and, uh, the people they, they, they hunt the bad guys, you know, Mm -hmm. because they both have that same capability of, of, compartmentalizing and and uh in living with that dark stuff which is interesting i guess but um i I was wondering like uh not to lead the interview or anything but um after watching the documentary uh were were there now for me there were a couple things in there that uh after writing a book on it after talking about this case for 12 13 years now uh that i didn't know were there things in there that you guys didn't know I guess I would want to know. Go ahead, Nick. Um, There definitely were things in there that I did not know. Um, I kind of forgot about the, the fake phone call, you know, the, the person that called and claimed to be Amy. Yeah. I I didn't know anything about that. I don't remember hearing about that. I had heard that somewhere years ago, but dismissed it because it was, you know, so obviously fake and they knew you know, very quickly that it was a fake call. So, but that was interesting to just be reminded of that. I had kind of completely forgot about that, but there were a couple things that I was not aware of, which was interesting for someone who's, you know, followed the case for so long to hear some new information new to me anyway. And that to me is really the, what points immediately to them doing a great job I think yeah. on the yeah. on the documentary, they were very thorough. Yeah, I thought uh, it turned out extremely well, and I mean, it got, I mean, it's really hard to do those things well, and uh, you know, with reenactments and um, without making it cheesy. Without making it cheesy, and I thought they did, and I and I'm, I don't know if it's just, I'm just biased because you know we're, we were all in it, but it was one of those things that I thought it 
it told the story very well and i mean really thoroughly thoroughly i mean three hours dedicated to the whole case is really kind of crazy i mean for a for a cable network just one case i was i was surprised too about the um detours they took into you know the uh almost the paranormal or the um the weird parts of this case that that and there's so many weird parts of this case but you know the they they got into the um the Ouija board stuff that happened with mm. her friend they got into the this truth serum that they gave to one of the suspects which i i couldn't believe the police verified for them i knew i knew it was true because i talked to the suspect but the police were always kind of quiet about that aspect and it's this mm. is the only case i've i've ever heard of where at least in modern days, where they they gave a suspect truth serum, um, and then you know the you know some of the you know the psychic you know weirdness stuff that goes on with that too. But yeah, I was I was interested. It was interesting to see that they kept that that stuff in. Yeah, the verification on the uh, truth serum. I mean, you and I, have, James, and we've discussed that before. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but I do remember talking about that and let's just back up real quick just for people that don't know what truth serum actually is mm -hmm. i mean is it i mean back in the 60s when they were testing all this stuff wasn't it weren't they using acid or well, lsd or they, was it they tested i mean that's kind of one of the forms that they used back in the, the day but with this particular suspect this harold bound um that was connected to holly hill farms um he they use sodium pentothal on mm -hmm. him. Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, they, they have a very specific amount that they use because sodium pentothal at the time actually was also used as a lethal injection. I was just going to say, it sounds so familiar. It yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. one of those uh, lethal injection drugs. It's one of the parts, right? Right. One of the, the, the three drugs. The three. They give, yeah. um, and uh, the reason, now the reason they were able to, use it is is because bound he was uh, he had served in vietnam in military intelligence so he knew and had had experience with uh interrogations and and truth serum and he told them he's like look you can't like i could beat a lie detector test you could give me a lie detector test but it's not going to mean anything mm -hmm. i can't nobody can be truth serum so give me truth serum so it was it was the suspect's request not the police, which I, I don't think was made entirely clear, but um, that's how they were able to use that in this case and why it's not usually used. Yeah, that's, you know, that that was definitely one of the things that stood out and from talking to people that, you know, watched the, the documentary. Uh, that was one of the things that really stood out to them as far as like, holy shit, I can't believe they actually used that yeah. in 19, you know, 1989. Right. <laughs> like, it just seemed sort of archaic but Soviet Union. Yeah, like you will tell us your secrets. Yeah, we're gonna come and get you, and uh, yeah, we'll dope you up and <laughs> tell us everything you know. <laughs> well, and um, I've only heard of it being used in a handful of cases, but like you said, what's interesting is how recent that is. I mean, this would have been has, 1990 yeah. or past when I don't know when they gave him the truth serum, but the the probably the most recent case other than Amy's that I can think of that that it's acknowledged that it truth serum was used was in the colonial parkway murders. There was one oh, suspect. I didn't in, know that. Yeah. He was a suspect in one set of the four 
killings. He wasn't okay. a suspect in all four. And it was this, this uh, younger guy, and he had a pretty big drug problem. And I don't know if he requested it or what, because, you know, you do have some situations where you have a suspect in front of you and they're, and they're saying, hey, I'll do whatever it takes to, I'm not your guy, you know, hook me up to yeah, a te- yeah. lie detector, uh, call this person, call this person, check this, check that, I'll, you know, search my home, my car, I'll do anything because I'm innocent. And so I don't know what the situation was there, but they did give him the truth serum. The weird thing about in that case, if I remember correctly, he never said that he he stuck to his portion that he was not involved in the killing of this uh, young man and young woman. But it seems like he manipulated the crime scene somehow, like like maybe he stole some things from their vehicle after they were gone. Uh, So he had some kind of weird involvement that did come out, but only after given the truth serum. Sure. Sure. Um, I I hope he got immunity for, (laughs) for for the petty crimes. Yeah. He, he remains a suspect on some people's list because he, I mean, he was really into drugs and alcohol. He didn't live much longer after Mm. Uh, And I can't remember if it was the drugs and alcohol that took him or if it was something else, but uh, he's no longer around that particular suspect. But one thing before we get into it too much, uh, we did talk about how well they did and how easily these things can turn out bad. The documentaries are, you know, they can get cheesy, full of Velveeta. Uh, I've certainly (laughs) seen my share of bad ones along the way, but majority of them are. Yeah. My only criticism that I can think okay. of sitting here today. I thought the um, the person that they got to play Spetzel was was interesting. Um, uh, am, am I remembering I correctly? Remember. Like they would they would he would do like that that like anytime somebody would say something suspicious, they would pan to him like up close, and he's like making this like very like. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Tw- twisting his mustache. They actually, yeah, it's like they they casted a guy that would have been better cast to play some kind of pervert or uh, some <laughs> some kind of suspect rather than the guy that would go on to be the chief of police. Well, he went in for the suspect, and they decided that they already had one for that. So they said, "Well, why don't you just play this other role? Because you know I, that other one's Phil." If, if I were Spetzel, I would be like, "Really? This is <laughs> when you spoke to me. This is who you came up with to play me." <laughs> In the contract, I thought I said I had casting approval. <laughs> right. right, right. What George Send Clooney me the was shots. Busy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they got Brad Pitt for my reenactment on uh, Key West. That was that was uh, on point casting. I have I have to I have to mention that uh, your uh, you had a quite a wit- witty response to people's reaction to your uh, from when the book came out to your interview now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That was my, my favorite cut in the whole uh, three hour um, documentary is when they showed the footage of my first interview on TV talking about Amy Mihaljevic and then they cut to me now. And it's like, you see this like young man, this youthful young man, and then you cut <laughs> and it's like, I picked the wrong chalice in uh, the last crusade. And <laughs> like you could see, you could see that immediate aging and the receding of my hairline. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was a wake-up call. 
um no but that was it was good um i i don't know about you guys you know when the when it aired and it's aired a couple times now um you know i was surprised i can tell a lot of people are watching it because i got a i got a ton of emails like the next day and Mm -hmm. and some of these were some of these were legitimate tips and uh i forwarded a number of of these tips to police and fbi now a lot of them revolved around the suspect from Key West, uh, but a couple of them were were suspects I had not heard of. Um, but yeah, what, what was the response like for you guys? I've received uh, various things on Facebook. Uh, lots of uh, you know weird things happen to me like this. Uh, I received phone calls. Um, yeah, I actually had you know. Just even recently, like this morning, uh, somebody from the Netherlands had just watched the documentary and had said that they had some information. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what to take, take it with a grain of salt, you know, what they see, you know, I don't know what their connection is, but there are a lot of different people that have reached out and said, um, well, one, the documentary was great to keep the case open, but like you said, a lot of it was about, you know, the guy from Key West and basically saying, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. And, you know, you just, you know, that's sort of the response that I've received. But I definitely got a lot of the, I received weird phone calls. Um, what, like hangups? Like, uh, not like hangups, but just like your refrigerator running. No, not like that type of not like that, no, not like <laughs> prank calls like we would make as kids, but like creepy calls. And uh, I, a girl from back in the past, you know, she had reached out and said that she had received um, some calls when she was in the fourth grade, and that her dad had intercepted them and didn't make much of it at the time, but she okay. was younger than. Amy would have been so where was she going to school at the time Rocky River oh okay so um it was oh, just did you know her personally like as kids yeah oh, okay. not, so I didn't know her at that time but I knew her later in life and right. then I've, and then she reached out when the documentary aired right now that you're super famous she's like <laughs> hey I gotta check out what this guy's doing yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um but no the response has been great I mean how about you Nick I mean I know this is a passion you know passion case for you and um well we we'd certainly received a lot of feedback a lot of good feedback but not so much in the form of any tips uh or you know people coming forward with any type of information just more so um you know hey this has always been one of my most interesting cases you know this one's already you know always been one that i've taken a look at and finally somebody did a documentary about it so i think a lot of people were just excited that there's this case from 1989 and finally someone's uh doing a doing a documentary about it it could have been done years ago um what's going on on your end there something exciting uh, Something really Bill's exciting. Cat is in the other room and he has sat on a keyboard and it's making all all kinds of noise. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. All is I that, see is is the cat sitting on the Mac keyboard yeah, in there. Yeah. Oh, that is a stare. That's the noise I'm hearing. Okay, hold on a second. Let me go fix this. <laughs> I'm gonna send you a picture, Nick, so you can understand what we're dealing with. <laughs> wow. Did uh. 
Um, did your opinion change at all on uh, what you what you think the ultimate answer is with the case? Um, sure. Well, you know what's interesting about my opinion and and your theory as well, James, is that. <laughs> I, I will say I'm not a hundred percent. Even even to this day, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not. A, I was looking at the picture. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I I'm not one hundred percent on my theory either. I actually think your theory is just as good as any one, if not better, than most that I've heard through the years. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting about your theory and my theory is my theory doesn't name a specific suspect where yours, you know, does. But one thing sure. that it's interesting about your theory in comparison to mine is they hold the core of that theory. Our theories are very similar, if not the same, that somehow Amy's killer knew a lot about her and she may not have known anything about him. Um, you know, this guy had enough information to be able to call the home, know some things to, trick a very smart young girl into meeting him somewhere and you know you and i both think that the killer was sexually attracted to amy and that he made that decision from having seen her or you know yeah. uh, having saw her at some point now i didn't receive this and i wouldn't call this a tip because it's really just kind of random speculation but it's very interesting and i'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of tread lightly here because I had this conversation a few weeks ago and I, there were certain portions of this conversation that the, the person asked me to pass along, but, but then other portions that they told me not to. So I'm going to kind of keep it brief because it was a few weeks ago and I don't remember what I agreed to keep quiet and what to, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, what I was agreed to say and what I agreed not to say. So, but this was interesting and it's really got my mind kind of working but I have no way of really following up on this thought. But this individual said that they have no evidence at all that this is the truth. It's just their total gut feeling. And okay. they told me, they said, I can't get out of my mind that the killer, the connection to Amy and the killer was Jason, was her brother. That uh -huh. the this person believes that somehow somebody knew Jason and maybe not very well. Um, like, like if you sat Jason down, he couldn't, if he gave you a list of 10 people, this wouldn't, this name wouldn't be okay, on his okay. list. Just to be clear, you're and they're not saying that Jason is, did this, but that. The, no, no, the no. Jason had, Jason had no involvement at right. all. He, he's very much a victim. Uh, yes. And he, like I the said. Connection might've been through through his uh, circle of acquaintances. That, that's just their speculation. And it, sure. I found it to be an interesting one because one thing I pointed out to this person was I said, you know, we know Margaret's connections and um, Mark's connections were heavily looked into. And then you kind of wonder, well, you know, I know they looked into Jason's stuff as well, but how far how far, you know, this, That's this person, point. according to this person would have been, they were much more specific. I'm trying to think of a, but I agreed not to say this portion of it, but um, this person would have been very much on the outside of, okay. 
and and like, did like, they know of a particular person that was close to Jason that that fits the bill? Like, did they get that specific? They did not name a specific person, but uh, off off the record, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more. But it it would have been okay. somebody that Jason would have, like I said, if if you asked Jason to give you a list of ten people he knew back then. Yeah. I don't even, I don't think this person would be on his list. It's that. Um, did they pass that, that along to the to the police? I mean that that sounds like a pretty decent lead. So they again it's just speculation. I was told that this information has reached or was it, 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 they attempted to deliver this information to the FBI and to Spetzel. Um No oh, good. Good. The uh but they were reaching out to me because they were hoping to, I don't think that they've received confirmation that somebody's, you know, uh, sure. took this information down. And I did say, look, you know, I've, I've been involved in multiple cases where I've reached out to the authorities, not Amy's case, um, but multiple cases. And I said, you know, nine times out of 10, you don't hear back. You know, that doesn't yeah. mean that they, they didn't do anything with your information. That doesn't mean that they didn't look into it. Um, right. Yeah. So the, this individual reached out to me with the hopes that I could put this information, get it to the right people. And I said, well, I said, I can't guarantee you that I can get it to Torsney or to Spetzel. I said, but I can, I can pass it along to, uh, Bill and James and you know, that, that can be All a right. start. Great. So here's a question for you in regards to that one thing that you're referring to, do you, do you have an age range on that or this, this individual would have been younger. Um, the, the guy that you and I spoke about, he would be, yeah, in that's that what I was range. wondering. Yeah. You're, you're, and I call him your guy and I know he's not really your prime suspect, but it's somebody you and I have discussed. He would mm -hmm. be closer to that guy's age than, um, remember when I, when we spoke, I said, I think the killer's more closer to, uh, Mark's age, you know, somebody in their early thirties, mm -hmm. uh, this individual would likely be early twenties. Okay. Would have been early twenties back then. Um, so Nick, do you, do you, or do, or do you not have like, a in your mind, a, um, a specific suspect? I don't, moment? I, I, I don't, and I don't know that I ever have. Um, I've, I've liked some of your suspects. I, I, I leave them on my list as well. But my top suspect, my prime suspect, is an unknown person. It's um, sure. somebody that would have known information, and I believe a good deal of information about Amy or at least the Mahalovics themselves. And somehow got this information, you know, and I've told uh, Bill this, I the thing I keep going back to is school pictures. Um, and I even inquired to Bill asked if, you know, if she played soccer or anything like that, cause you could take it a, another step was this uh, soccer pictures or sports pictures or anything right. like that. But I just keep going back to the idea that when I was a kid, same age as Amy, we filled out this giant piece of paper that had all kinds yeah. of nonsense information that they required just to get you your pictures back and this is this would be a way for someone that has never met Amy, never spoke to her directly. 
I'm not saying it's the guy that was taking the pictures at the school. It could have just been somebody that worked for the company that was in charge of that. And they would have had the ability to see her, to know that they were physically attracted to her. And they would have all, they would have all of her information. They would, they would very very likely have a, very likely have a parent's name, full name. They would have the, they required all this information in case for some reason you didn't show up to school to retrieve your pictures. It was like, you know, if you're going to pay for this, because they would charge you in advance, you'd write a check and just think about how much information is on your check. I mean, I'm looking at my check right now. I got, I got my full name. I got my address. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I've never had a, a phone number on my checks personally, but I think that that can happen. But well, if sometimes see, they require it. Yeah. And if you see Margaret Mahalovic with the full address, you can just look up, you can just grab the white pages and look Criss-cross, up the phone yeah. number. Yeah. You know, I have a funny story about this, uh, this idea actually, you know, the, so um, back in 2012, I had written this, this book, the man from Primrose Lane that, that I was love a that novel. Book. Thank you. <laughs> here's here's a little here's a little uh, uh, moment here. I I think that book's fantastic. That's I'm I don't Thank read you. a lot Thank of you. fiction, but that is one of my favorite fictional books. I put it right up there, very close to uh, eleven. What is it? Eleven twenty two sixty three. Sure. Yeah. It, and that came out about six months before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was already. Thank you though. Uh, yeah. Um, it, uh, you know, so it's a novel, but it's heavily influenced by my work on cases like the Mihalovic case. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you know Amy's case and you read that novel, you, you can kind of see where I've taken some um, information from it and uh, to, to inspire the, the, the story. But um, the point is, uh, not to, I'm going to spoil the book now for people who haven't read it. Um, you're still, there's still a lot here that I'm not spoiling, but I'm going to tell you that the answer in that book is uh it has to do with the school pictures um the the bad guy is the guy that took the school pictures uh and and that's how he was connected to um the young girl that was murdered in that book so um because i i i I, like you had had considered that as a as a possible theory now um flash forward so the book came out in 2012 about 2015 um i'm at home just doing the dishes and, and my cell phone rings and I pick it up and uh, I don't, I can't remember how this guy got my number, but he, he got my number and he's like, Hey, he's like, is this James Renner? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, so funny story. I'm the guy that took Amy Mihalovic's school picture. And I just got done reading this book called the man from Primrose Lane. And uh, <laughs> I have to tell you that I see the similarities here. And I just wanted to call and tell you that, um, that, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, we didn't have anything to do with this. And, and somebody had come up to him at a dinner party in New York, where he now lives. He now lives in New York City. And they were at a dinner party and mentioned, hey, I just read this book. Look how similar this is to, uh, to your business. And like, I somehow, I, maybe I had heard of his business or whatever, but I had even set his um, photography studio in Berea which is a small town outside of Cleveland. And that's where his photography studio was. And so all this stuff matched up and he's like, dude, he's like, you made, you know, uh, you made me out to be the bad guy in your book. 
And, uh, and I'm like, well, that was not, you know, not really intentional there. But so I talked to him for a while. And, uh, you know, he, of course, um, the FBI contacted him to get the, like, I think the negatives, and they were able to blow up. And that's what became her missing poster. So they worked closely with him. And I know that they looked into uh, him and I'm assuming his employees. But um, no, I've always liked that idea because it, it does give you all that personal information but you're kind of removed from the whole thing so that uh, nobody would be able to recognize you either. So it's a creepy idea. Uh, but uh, um, as far as I can tell, at least the, the, the person who took her picture uh, had nothing to do with it. You know, who knows who was, you know, working in that, that lab at the time. Well, and as I told Bill, um, I'm not even certain that it has to be the guy, that, you know, I'm not even certain that it has to do with the, her most recent picture. All that same oh, information sure. would have been on the year before as well. And that's why I kind yeah. of took it a step further and asked people, asked around, hey, what were some other things she would have been involved in where there are pictures that are being taken, you know? Um, right, like soccer and... Right, right. And yeah, and, and usually the people that shoot that theory down immediately their go-to is, well, that would have been easy for them to follow up and, and solve that. And But what I point out is that, again, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it was the guy that took her picture. It was just, I mean, these are, there's more people involved in this operation. And it's it's one way that I immediately thought that, hey, this is how this guy could also have these other girls' phone numbers and yeah. information. Yeah, yeah because yeah. you know they travel around, they go to different schools, they get, they collect all this information. It could have been somebody that was doing data entry or billing or something for one or of these companies. The lights, yeah, know? yeah. It's I it's like an interesting idea. theory. It's um, I don't I again I don't think it's super solid. It's the it's the but it's the one thing that I could come up with where he would have had a good deal of her information. And I, I really stick to this part. I don't think she knew this guy. And I don't, I, I, I think that, I think that even when she met him that day at the plaza and saw his face, if she saw his face before, she didn't know it that day at the plaza. And yeah. if she saw his face before, it would have been somebody in the background somewhere. And, yeah. you know, and, and so that's where our theories are similar in, in a sense where, you know, your theory about the, the nature center is brilliant because it's the same thing you have. It's, it's one thing that connects all these people and, and you and I, and I believe Bill, and if anybody doesn't think so, I think they're really out to lunch here, but those phone calls <laughs> all have to be connected. You know, this oh, Amy was a smart girl. Amy was a smart girl. She wasn't dumb. And this guy practiced this. It didn't work yep. out. He failed several times before attempting to get people to girls to meet him somewhere. Yep. And, and I firmly believe that. And I think for whatever reason, it worked on Amy. And I think, I think that he either said the right words or he knew the right information. One of the two, either he got lucky and I hate to use that term, but um, yeah. either as a, as a, you know, a horrible person, he got lucky and said the right thing to her to convince her to go or, or he knew the right things. He knew the right information. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you know what's funny is, you know, just kind of working through this in my head. James, you and I, I kind of came up with this when you and I were driving around Bay Village. <laughs> we were talking about the, her leaving her bike there. And it just yeah. popped in my head. What if this guy knew enough to say, and this, think about how trusting a child would be if you said this. You go, meet me at the plaza. And afterwards, after we go pick out the gift for your mom, I'm going to take you to her work and you can be there when we present it to her, when we have the cake oh, and when wow. we have the punch, you can be there to celebrate with her because then the kid's going, oh, well, this can't be dangerous. I, not right, only am I going to do something it. great for my mom, I'm going to get delivered right to her afterwards and she's going to drive me home and she's going to love me for what I did for her, for helping out her, her workers or her coworkers. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of those things um, – you know, when I talked with Mark uh, Mahalovic about, you know, Amy's trusting of this individual, that's pretty much what is the oddest thing is that she was not a liar. She had not lied to her parents before. Um, about an important. Uh, well, yeah, about, you know, every kid, right. every kid has a white lie here and there. Yeah. But nothing on the, like, on the grand scale of I'm going to meet a stranger. Yeah. Um. Back, I mean, but the theory that I, I mean, I kind of only have, I mean, I have settled sort of on two different theories. And one is the amount of people that Mark interacted with on a daily basis. Um, and I know that his background was looked into extensively. And, and I just know that the information that he could have shared about the marriage issues um, that they were having. Sure. And that stuff is something that he even mentioned to me was a concern to him that was a way that they got to her, meaning that they were able to, and that it wasn't so much they were able to get her to go is that she wanted to do something nice for her mom. And you've always right. said this before that, <clears throat> that their relationship wasn't the greatest at the time, but there was so much strain within, within the marriage itself that, you know, Mark's concern was that maybe that she would have dropped her guard a little quicker to do something nice. For sure. I think yeah. so. Um, one other thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, w with, with some of the new information coming out, back to that suspect that, that I have in mind, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, I wish anybody could be, but um, you know, I still have in my mind uh, essentially a top three suspects. And then there's the one guy from Key West, the former teacher from Amherst, who in my mind is is the prime suspect, kind of rises above the others. And the key to him, you know, there was an FBI agent who said, you know, look, we, we can't connect him to the Nature Center. Um, if he was there, it almost has to be him. But he says he wasn't there and we can't connect him. And of course, on the in the special, you, you hear the story about how you know, I kind of bluffed him and, you know, he said, well, I never told them I wasn't there. I just said, I didn't remember being there, which 
in my mind is almost, you know, um, saying that he was, but so we still haven't been able to connect him, but then just last week, um, uh, maybe it, it could have just literally been like two or three days ago. Um, and this, and the police and FBI have this information. Now, a former student of his, um, when he was teaching in Vermilion, um, would help him with the animals in his classroom. He had this menagerie, this little zoo in his classroom of, of snakes and guinea pigs and chinchillas. And these students would volunteer and he would be alone with them in the classroom. Um, so this uh, person that came forward was a volunteer for him for uh, from like 1982 to 1987 in Vermilion. And uh, he did actually did two whole summers. He lived across the street from the school so he could get there easily. So he knew Runkle well. Runkle would take him in his car, um, take him back to his apartment. He said there was never anything that was overtly uh, inappropriate other than the comments that he would make that would be very sexual. Um, but um, he did say, he's like, I am 100% sure he's connected to the Nature Center and lying about it because I was there with him. This hmm. kid... Um, you know, who's now in his, you know, late 40s, I think. Um, he says that he and Runkle would drive to that nature center in Bay Village, and he was very specific, nature center in Bay Village, um, that, and they would deliver mice for the snakes, which is the story I had heard before from one of his uh, former employers. You know, the, there was this rumor that he, you know, would breed mice, and when he had too many mice, he would deliver it to the nature center. And this kid said, yes, not only did he do that? But I was there with him. So now we, I am a hundred percent sure he's connected to that nature center and he's lying about it. And there's really only one reason he'd be lying about being there because he knows that's the intersection of him and, and Amy and these other girls. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I like Nick, I definitely, you know, ascribe to, to your theory as well. I think it's, you know, definitely one of the, best if not the best one put out there um of course we don't know the exact answer of who actually did it um, but i wanted to explain about the person that nick and i had, had talked about you know being in that age range you know in the early 20s and that was a person that was that we've discussed uh, actually james you and i discussed it. it he was um he is the one that worked at the city and then was hired yeah, and fired yeah. within those sure. few, few days that yep. she was um, which which is a, a really cool lead that you kind of dug up on your own. Yeah, I mean, and basically I just did a FOIA request and wanted to see, because basically I had worked at the city of Rocky River. Um, so you knew how the, the I records just, worked? Well, I, I, not so much how the records worked. It was just, I just knew how much time these people could have in the day. Oh, sure. And you could pretty much figure out what people's schedules were. I mean, you're just driving around. Your serv if, you're, if you're working in the service department, you know, let's say you're picking up trash or you're filling potholes or you're, you know, one of those guys. I just, and some of the characters that I worked with were also, it just raised my suspicion and the thought that, you know, hey, somebody shady <laughs> sure. could be like one of these, I could see one of these guys <laughs> being uh, responsible for that right. type of thing. Not sure. Nobody is specific, of course, but <clears throat> that's when I decided to do the records re request. And that's where I came up with the with that individual and again there's nothing that's come you know nothing criminal that he's been connected to other than you know 
alcohol related offenses and you know that's you know there's no name attached to it because there's nothing that connects them to it other sure. than um the the weird dates and that's a good lead though. and the fact that the proximity to to yeah. where amy lived um because it was within a quarter mile so yeah. um that definitely was something that you know i i still haven't been able to cross off my list um i do have one other exclusive for you i forgot about this i, I I'm, I'm so glad I, I i remembered to mention this um i have some information on the dna evidence in this case um, okay have we talked much about the dna uh, i know you you kind of got a half answer from spetzel but did we get any further after that uh you, we've talked i think off the record um no pun intended nick <laughs> um and uh so, so I don't know if we've discussed it on air. So I do know, I, I know what they have and I know what they're dealing with. Um, and it's as frustrating as everything else in this case. Uh, but there's a little bit of update on that. They do have hair. In fact, uh, um, several hairs. Um, they have three hairs. Um, there's uh, one that they found at the scene, one that they found on her pants, and uh, one hair that they found on her underwear. And uh, um, they've been able to get partial profiles from these. So I think in the future, there's, you know, 100% in my mind at this point, this case is going to be solved. And they, you know, because they, they one way or another, they'll get them either through scientific evidence or, or just police work. But this could be, this could be it because they're starting to get partial profiles from these hairs. Now, um, the in, a couple interesting things. One, each of these hairs belongs to a different individual. Um, based on the source I have who has taken a look at um, the scientific evidence that, that was generated from these hairs. So um, now that could mean a number of things. That could mean a contaminated crime scene. It could mean multiple suspects, which is um, another theory I was kind right. of thinking about too. Um, it could, you know, so who knows, they have to develop and have to track these hairs back down to the source of these individuals and, and whether or not they're suspects or whether or not they happen to be at the crime scene for other reasons or interacted jump, with Amy for other reasons. Just to jump in here. Um, yeah. I've seen this in more than one case and it's, it's awfully deflating, but I'll bring it up because we're on the subject. I've seen several times, not often, but more than once where they trace a hair back and it's because they failed to clean out the body bag properly. Uh, oh, from a different cadaver. Right. Why right. would they even reuse a body bag? Yeah. I mean, come on. How much does a well, body bag cost? Yeah. I, I think it depends on where you live. Um, sure. the, some of these poor communities, um, i.e. Ashland County, fair point. They, they reuse them. And I've actually seen at least one case. I can't, recall specifically which one because i had the great idea of covering a new case every week so um <laughs> it's a lot of heavy lifting but i saw yeah. one one case where they charged the parents for the body bag they sent them a bill oh my god. for the bag oh my god oh my god as yeah. a parent like that's when i end up in in jail because i'm i'm going down to the corner and 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 busting out a can of whoop ass yeah, it, um, it, it was that this, is some this poor area. I think it was in Colorado. And the reason why they sent the bill to the mother that was her, her daughter that was killed was grown. Uh, she was an adult. But 
they've never arrested anyone. Well, they've made an arrest. They've never convicted anybody for the killing. They believe that the brother, the mom's son, killed his sister. Uh, And so once they arrested that guy, they sent her a bill for the body bag. I mean, how? I mean, come on. You couldn't come. It was like $218. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, um, I just kind of completely hijacked your, your no, story. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, one, one other detail that's come out about the DNA just in the last uh, day or two is, um, so a little, a little bit of investigation has been done into the um, haplo, what's called a haplogroup. Um, and that's, you know, um, genetics, just like, uh, you know, um, family trees, uh, well, it is essentially the the science of family trees it um, haplogroups are how people you know we all come from a common ancestor this mitochondrial eve um you know millions of years ago or whatever um and and just you know like an evolutionary chain part of your um genome uh gets changed over the years and it you know, so if you go back to Germanic people, they have a different what's called haplogroup than like uh, African uh, African people or dis- descendants from Africa. So you can kind of tell a person's race and some other things based on this genetic information. Long story short, um, the the second hair, the hair that was found on her jogging pants, matches with a kind of a rare haplogroup that um, this specific mutation in the gene that that is picked up in this hair that they found on her jogging pants also comes with a very high risk of schizophrenia which to me is is definitely supportive of the fact that that hair uh i mean somebody with schizophrenia or uh um you know severe depression uh mental issues um is linked you know so is that is is that the hair of the killer um that to me is is at least a little supportive of the fact that yes that's probably that's probably the killer's hair in which case you know it's just a matter of time before um you know before we match up more more of those that genetic profile to uh, whoever did this yeah that well that's that, interesting uh... so it seems like they're on their way to doing that snapshot dna possibility um well where they the, the where they provide us how, with what the person may look like i mean we've seen these yeah. in different cases that they usually come back western european um mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's that's the group that we see a lot but that's you know that makes up it's most like of the, our country yeah ancestry your ancestry dna that's pretty much yep western <laughs> european <laughs> yep um, yeah, yeah, it depends on how, how much genetic information they have and, and it's, um, you know, what they have right now might not be enough to do that, but they are, I know, retesting and the FBI just developed a new test in the last year where, um, before you could only get like mitochondrial DNA, which comes from your mother from right. the hair. Uh, but now the FBI has developed a new method where they can get nuclear DNA from, from hair if, uh, um, in some cases. So, you know, I think they're retesting the DNA constantly. And one of these days, it's going to pick up more information or full genetic uh, write-up on on uh, whose hairs these are. Uh, and it's likely one of those is the killer. So I, in, which might explain why the police seem to not be doing much because, 
you know, if you have that on the horizon, are you, you, you know, are you going to roll the dice and charge somebody or are you going to play it safe and wait for DNA confirmation? Yeah. Torsney said, I mean, even when I, when I met with him and that was the first thing he came out of his mouth was I just got off the phone with scientists and we're, you know, discussing what we can do with what we have. And it could be days, weeks, or years. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think he said years. I think he just said it could be days, weeks, or a year. Mm. But um, he was very, it seemed very confident that with what, you know, what they had, and this was, again, this was back in August, I believe, or, and they, you know, like you said, this they've come up with new stuff. I mean, they're coming up with new stuff every day. So um, with what tours and he said, I mean, I do believe, like you said, they're they're doing stuff it's just behind the scenes and it's not a lot of what you would think of as you know they're beating down doors because right. what they're doing is they're waiting for results well and it's and kind it, of the weird. you got to believe that this late in the game it's dna or a confession and that's really it i mean right i i couldn't think of any other way to break this case and you know what's interesting though james you brought up multiple hairs and you and i have kicked the tires on the idea that uh ted lambergine ted lambergine yeah, did i get his yeah, name yeah. right so yep. the, a weird thing in bill's theory is that if it was somebody in mark's background didn't ted lambergine work for a buick dealership he or worked he for worked ford for ford, ford um he okay. was at the ford so he was more like the he was he was more like the um, you know, Ford plant where they're assembling the the parts of the cars. So he um, wouldn't have had he wouldn't have come in contact with Mark then, because Mark was GM. No, but you know who Lamborghini would have come in contact with, I believe, um, are two people that are in my top three. One, the the teacher, um, mm -hmm. and the and the other one, which is the guy that was uh, involved in the Metro Parks at the time. Because both the teacher and the Metro Parks guy in Lamborghini were known to frequent that area of Brook Park where men would uh, meet up on the down low um, mm. at the adult bookstores. Um, so, you know, they're kind of all running in the same uh, area. Um, and what we do know is Lamborghini was involved with, um, at least to some extent, with these uh, crimes that occurred around the Oakland County mm -hmm. area when those four kids were abducted and murdered in the seventies. And we know for a fact that that was a, a group of individuals. It wasn't just one person. So Lamborghini comes from that area down here and now he's in jail in prison for that. So, so um, yeah, Lamborghini comes up a lot. If anybody needs filled in on who Theodore Lamborghini is, this is a, a little plug here for my show. Uh, True yes. Crime Garage, we covered the Oakland County child killer case in August of last year, which is available for free on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, we did two episodes on it. And what we did was we were able to go back and, and I know we're not the only ones to have done this. Uh, so I don't want to, we can't take full credit here, but we were able to go back and find a handful of individuals that were running in the same circle in the Oakland County area at that time and using statements that they gave to law enforcement, you can kind of piece together who was involved in the operation of abducting and killing and dumping these kids. And I was say Lamborghini operation directly. 
He, um, yes, and I can't remember his exact wording, but there was, um, there was an individual that came forward that stated that they had, they kept a photo book. There was a guy mm. that owned a bike shop in the poor part of town up there. And a lot of the kids would frequent this bike shop and they would offer these poor kids uh, money or, you know, snacks, candy, all kinds of different things, sometimes cigarettes, whatever, to get these kids to perform uh, or go along with certain things with these adult sounds men. Sounds like that awful episode of Different Strokes. That does sound like it. Yeah. <laughs> or Mr. And, and Belvedere. The one guy at the bike shop, for whatever reason, the guys kept a photo album of of the uh, children that, that uh. would do this stuff. And there's a guy that spoke to law enforcement that said, I swear I saw a picture of the King kid. I can't remember King's first name, but uh, the Timothy, blonde haired right. Timothy King. Yeah. Saw a and picture of the, on the chicken bone, right? Yeah. And you know, here's, here's an interest. And this isn't a theory wait, that wait. I put. You got, you Go got ahead. interrupted there. So, so he saw a picture of Timothy King. Oh, the, that, that in he the saw a picture book. Of, in the photo book. Right. Yeah. And then um, there's I, there's another individual that states that they believe that um, uh, the one guy that's now dead, the heavyset guy, that that he saw him carrying Timothy King to his car, uh, and King may have been dead at that point. But one theory I didn't um, put forth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta jet oh. and pick up my kid. You guys, uh, please carry on the conversation. Thank you for having me on the show again. Thank you, James, so much for coming in. And thank you so much for being a participant in uh, um, what we discussed earlier. Uh, if you could shoot me maybe a text about that. Yes, um, let's keep talking uh, off the air. All right, sounds good. Okay. But you have safe drive back to uh, where you're going. All right, see you, Nick. See Tell you, James. Captain, I said hi. Yep, good talking to you. <laughs> so there you have it. Part one of our discussions about the documentary and the case. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode, I should say bonus episode, of Who Killed Amy Mihaljevic, and stay tuned next week for part two of the roundtable discussion. That, in all reality, turns into a conversation with just Nick from True Crime Garage. But I do thank you, James Renner, for all of your participation in this podcast and all of his books are available on Amazon.com as well as his website, jamesrenner.com. If you enjoy this independently produced podcast, you can help keep this show going by clicking on the donate button on the bottom left on whokilledamaholovic.com. Donations to support the show can also be made through the Venmo app with my username at bill-huffman-3. Thank you to the listeners and the donors that help keep this podcast going. Without your support, this show wouldn't be possible. So again, any amount is appreciated, but you can also help support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that will also significantly help get this show the coverage it deserves. You can contact the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234 if you have any new information regarding Amy's case. The FBI is also offering a reward of up to $25,000 with information regarding the individual 
were individuals responsible for the death of Amy Renee Mihaljevic. So anyone with information concerning this case, please contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. So thank you again for listening. I appreciate all the support. And let's just hope there is resolution sooner rather than later. And to all the listeners, be safe. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.